the experiment that we did this weekend in, for example, shifting the practices around diet um, as an experiment, you know, that, that needs to come under some kind of a um, vision so that it's reproducible or understandable or expressible or something that we share because um, I, I think that it's necessary to have a vision rather than kind of a, a group of people just sort of doing experiments or not being clear about it or having it being fuzzy or something that, that won't, that ha does not have the capacity to survive. Mm -hmm. That's not an ark that can hold a covenant. And what we're looking for is to put together an ark that can hold a covenant. But that's who I am. So I'm, I would like to know who you are or what it is that we're doing here together in camp in terms of what the vision of camp is and that would be most clear to me if I knew what the practices of camp were now. Well, we met as a committee several times and had, had consensus that our camp practices remain the core of what they have been, which is meditation, diet, exercise, and study. That hasn't changed from what we agreed upon as a group. Uh, and that practice is the core of what camp is about. Am I understanding that correctly from our meetings that we had? So, I mean, this has been, has some of this been written down on paper that it can be given to Clint? Well, that part's been written down, but I think the part that he, at least what I'm hearing sort of fundamentally in his question is the part that we struggle with. I mean, I know Fred and I have had that conversation many times, and I think that's, that's where we are. At the last I'm camp, to answer that. At the last camp meeting, we talked about making a practice of creating out of the book that we're about to read. And there's been discussion on how long we're going to take. And there's a couple of practices in that. Yeah, I don't think that the, I don't think camp was formed around a group of practices. I think that camp was, I mean, I think that. Are you talking about now? Now. I'm talking about when we created it. I don't think we created it around practice. We created it around the event. We cre yeah. created and it that's, for that's the event very different. to keep going. And Fred and, I, Fred and I have been talking about the need for, for practice to, to really find people together more. So, I, yeah, I don't think that that element is there formally. Right. But I also, I don't, I don't think there's been a, in that, and in, you know, not really being able to separate it from that, I don't, I mean, I kind of go back to what Betty Lou said, I don't think that anybody in this group could succinctly say what the vision of camp is. Uh, no, because we feel that. Right. I really feel the pull to want to go in a spiritual direction. I mean, that's the next step for me, yeah, to, really, to really explore that and what does that mean for me. And I'd love to be able to do that in this group, but you know, we'd, I don't know that that's where this group is going. And I don't even know what that would mean, but that feels like the real tool for me. And you know, so my certainly my prayer is that it, I can do it in this group. Um, and I and I think you know the depression struggle is the similar thing. Is maybe we all are. Well, yeah, I was gonna say I think that's a struggle for me too. Because I because well, to me, for for me personally, what I see is missing is a teacher. On a consistent, well, that's not missing for me. 
Because that's what Clint is to me. It's just not. It's just not consistent access. It's not. It's not. It's not even not consistent because what we set up is consistent, and mm -hmm. he's consistently here for what we've set up. But it's not often enough, probably. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe we can sustain it <coughs> in between times. I don't know. You know, to me, the first step. The first real unification I've seen in our camp group on the next level was when we agreed to take responsibility for the event. And that was a start, you know, and it was an important piece, and I think it's really building something for us because we've taken on this responsibility together to create something together, you know, and we're very focused on exactly what that is. Here's the thing that's scaring me, and has been scaring me for some time, and it's really scaring me right now, is where, how do, how do we live in the world? How do I live in the world? Can I live in the world, in my house on Shannon Drive, with my next door neighbors, and can I, can I continue to do that? How long? Sort of becoming the question mm -hmm. for me, and and that question is pretty huge because I have a husband who who's not interested in that question, and the thought of that question terrifies him. I think deep in his soul, he knows that that's the question I'm asking, and he's mortified. And it scares me. It really scares me. And I'm wondering if that's if that's a question that's sort of there for all of us. Are we moving towards that or not? And if not, can we keep? Uh, what is that? Are we moving towards that? What is that? Can you define that? Well, for me, it's a, it's a spiritual life. It's, it's how this, to me, that's the essence of what we're doing. And your question is, can you, can you experience that in your house where you live now? How else would you experience it? Well, can you live separate from a teacher? Ultimately, can you live separate from a teacher? Maybe that's my real question. I think people do it all the time, but it's about surrounding tension and um, and the intention of the relationship with the teacher. You know, there are people in Mr. Lee's community that don't live in Arizona. One thing that's very evident to me, though, is when a group of people choose to live together with intention and with certain practices, the matrix appears to me to be strengthened. For myself, I, Beth had talked to me on a trip back from Virginia about the, she, she had the desire to go uh, have Torn to be her teacher. and. Uh, and that scared her enough to some other things. But I was wondering when Mary was talking about how the people around her were wanting a part of what she had and how much more that would serve humanity by being an example in society around us by being 
bodhisattvas or whatever uh, without shoving it down people's throat uh, and still find a teaching somehow or find a teacher somehow or find something to fill that that urge and still be in our environment. And isn't that Betty Lou's question? Can you stay in the world without? I don't know the answer. I think you can if you feel the need. I have a cat. I've been thinking about wanting to be a community inquisitor. More than everybody you know, in the house. I mean, I really have a desire to want, I want to be there. And I have a cat. You know, and it's my responsibility to take care of my cat. I've had my cat a long time. My choice is to maintain my responsibilities to my towards community, but there's, that's an important element for me. You know, it's important for me to be responsible for what I have created in my life up to this point, and then allow whatever transition occurs to be, you know, what's wanted and needed at that time in my life. And I don't really know if I'm really expressing what I, but it's, it's like, um, you know, every moment is an opportunity for living with everyone I, I want to be with, who I, you know, esteem highly and feel be such a, who are an important part of being in my life. I could physically be with them, but would that necessarily mean that I'm having in here, you know, other relationships more than what I'm having right now? I don't think so. You know, whenever I where you're living with a teacher or whatever, you're more involved with um, 
highly stressful situation of living in a with other spiritual students or whatever, however you want to say that, then you will be moved there. That will happen, and it won't won't be something that you fabricate out of a out of your mind and a vision and a supposed to or shouldn't I or something like that. Um, I remember, you know, in my in, in my path so far. Uh, being involved with some people and trying to put together an intentional com- kind of new age community um, in Northern California and how that was efforted in a kind of way and just the conflict between the efforted the effortness of it and my beginning to be in touch with the principles that I was serving and the directions that were coming from that were so different that it didn't take me very long to bounce out of that and say you know, that's a that's a illusionary dimension that I'm not going to spend my time in. So it didn't take long for us to get out of that. And even though it cost us some money, whatever, it was just, thank you, I'm out of that. And so, yeah, if you radically rely on that which you're serving, and, and that would be the same kind of relationship that you would have with, a, um, you know, a teacher, but that then... Uh, even if they're a bad teacher, that um, you're being a good student of a bad teacher can still serve you. And so, so that it's the radical reliance that you have as a as a as a student of life or a student of whatever that um, will direct you uh, where you where that's most useful to that which you're serving. don't have to worry about it. And, and it would be great for you to take an improvisational theater class for, you know, I know you're busy. <laughs> it's that, it's that, that hole that worries me. What, what hole? That hole that I left behind, that gremlin, that, that piece, that, that, that would fill that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. So, it, you know, they have weekend classes or one night a week, or they have some which workshops, you know, it would be great for you to take a couple of those. You obviously have some other intention. Yeah, because, because then when you go out in the morning and you're picking up your newspaper and the neighbor's out there picking up his newspaper, and you look at him and go, this being is only the size of a grapefruit. This matrix can only hold a being that's the size of a grapefruit. Look at that. This guy, you know, and he's committed to that. He's committed to creating, you know, occlusions to the point where the radical bewilderment of awesome intelligence of consciousness that's surrounding every cell in his body every moment, he is actively involved in preventing that from influencing his life in any way. It's a big nap. It's a big nap. <laughs> <laughs> I need this on my refrigerator. <laughs> and what you say is, Good morning, John! You know? Yeah. That is a radical act of, of, of transformational street theater. It's just theater. It is, it's theater. And the fact that you can do that consciously and intentionally and on purpose to bless him because you're in service to uh, the principle of, of, of love or blessing, whatever. That, that's, so you do that, and, and, it's, and he goes, Well, good morning, Betty Lou! Isn't it a nice day today? You know, and you go, of course it is. Look, the sun is shining like it never shone before. And then, 
And it's all theater. And, you know, for me, that's painful. For me, it's painful in a way because, because ignorance is bliss. And to be conscious about that it's all theater is um, it's expensive because, I don't know, just because <laughs> it's just costly to um, not be ignorant. It's painful to not be ignorant about stuff. And, you know, if you didn't want to, if you wanted to be ignorant about stuff, you wouldn't be here sitting in this room. You wouldn't be here. So, like, everybody who's here is paying the price of, of that kind of bliss for um, the being um, being of service, being more of service to that which they're serving, to be used in a different way. Yeah, so the, that's why I would propose the theater class because um, because the because the gremlin can be used for that instead of walking up and go, how could you be so ignorant, you know, or whatever, which is uh, like a fundamentalist kind of. Um, approach and then, then the neighbors hit you or you're ostracized or it, they, they egg your house or, you know, put toilet paper over your yard or slash your tires or, you know, whatever. Instead they go, Betty, we have the best neighbor. You know, she, she brings us strawberry jam every, every Christmas. And why do you do strawberry jam? Because it's theater. And that's what I do in France. We are out there and we pick, we, I send people out to pick blackberries and elderberries to make this stuff so we can give it away to our neighbors as gifts because it's theater. Because we are regular down-home folks who make strawberry jam and share it with our neighbors. And we, <laughs> we, and it's this exercise and like, yeah, and service and whatever. This is, and it's not, um, you know, it's not deceitful. I'm not. I'm not fooling anybody. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not being superior or anything. What I'm doing is, if I get killed because I'm discovered as a radical transformationalist, then I can't serve my principles anymore. I have failed to be able to serve because my organic machine has been obliterated by the locals. It is a video game. <laughs> <laughs> game over. Game over. Bleep. Put some more money. Uh, I need one of those tokens, please. Not a token. <laughs> Strawberry jam. Well, I have another question. Are you all ready for me to leave? No. No. Um, well, you're going to think this is bizarre. Are you afraid for your children? Ever? In, in, because of that? Because of that, you mean? No. No, no, I had that question before you asked that, before you mm. spoke about this. Afraid for them about what? Anything. That, that one of them would fall off the horse, mm. that, or that something would happen to them at school, or anything. Well, I go to bed okay with that at night because I know my kids are doing what they love to do. And if I was forcing my kids to go to school and they didn't want to, I would have a problem with that. And so we homeschool the kids, and they actually don't go to school very much. They actually aren't so great at um, reading and writing, and they're pretty good at math. And they're, they're, 
you know, they don't know as much history as they would have known, or as much, what's that stuff called that I don't like, economics, or, I mean, stuff like that. They really don't. And they're massive creators and have a huge capacity for responsibility and relationship. They are amazing with creating relationship and, like, beings. As people, they are incredible people. And, but in terms of our late 20th century westernized um, ideas about, you know, um, <coughs> going to school for the kids, kids going to school, they don't meet that. That wasn't my question. Okay. I only use school as an example of there being out in the world where things can happen to them. So I could say, will you be scared when well, see, I don't, I can't think of anything. So, no, so if I understand your you question. Turn 16, okay. I understand your question. I'm answering your question. What I'm saying is, if I was forcing my children to do something that they didn't want to do, then if they got hurt doing that, then I would be scared. But if I am really clear that if my kids go out and bust their arm riding a horse, I, I don't have any fear about that at all. I don't have, it's fine. And, and as long as they don't get killed, or you know what I mean, that's really what I'm asking. Yeah. So, and they could get killed. If my kids get killed riding horses, that is, they, I could not imagine a better way for them to have lived their life. And that's their choice. And, it, you know, I, I demand that they wear a helmet. I demand that they tell me what area of the forest they're going into before they go out. I demand they don't ride at night. I demand they ride together. There's things that, that I set up so that I'm not stupid about it. And, um, you know, shit happens, so, but yeah, I have, you know, I have fear about it, but it's not a fear that is, uh, a fear that would cost me, it's just a, a reasonable kind of, like, you know, I have fear for myself driving down the road, you know, with idiots on the other side drinking alcohol, or whatever, but it's that kind of a fear, it's a reasonable kind of fear, but it, it's not a regret, guilty kind of fear, because my kids are, are, are living their lives, rather than being forced into doing something that I, that I um, think they should do, or I think that somebody else thinks that I think they should, you know, I should be doing like that. I don't know. So, so I was, that's my answer to the question. I had a hard time with the theater thing. It seemed like... This is really good theater that you're doing right now. Is it? Go ahead, though. Well, what hit me was that if Betty Lou goes and, and sees this, I mean, she's doing all this work on herself, and she sees her neighbor in the yard, and then she puts on this happy face, and that just seems real fake to me. And I don't, I have a re problem with that, not even relating to that man, but I, I see on a level it does relate to him because that's where he's at but I feel that's just a real fake thing, and I don't... That's Tell me something that's not fake. I know. You, you didn't see the, the show that we got to see last night that was incredible, that uh, Joan did, this woman. She had this victim thing, and she had honed that oh thing to perfection. Academy Award. And the entire group was completely sucked into it. Everybody was sucked into it, and I'm walking around going, Joshua, wake up, man. She's got you hooked now. Oh, yeah. Wake the fuck up. 
I come over to Kristen and go, Kristen, man, what are you going to do about this? And she's going, You know, most people, when they reach a certain age, crystallize at, uh, to the extent that no change is possible beyond a certain, <laughs> like this. Because if you, if you beyond the, the crystallizing, <laughs> they would shatter and then they'd be essentially insane. So, so, um, so you know, I'm aware of that crystallization as, as, as older people. Like when my parents came to the training, crystallized. Nothing. Really nothing. They were crystallized. And, and that's how it is. But this woman, this woman was not crystallized. And she was, I don't know how old, 70 or something. She was old, 65 something. Hey. <laughs> she's, probably, she's probably 45 years old. <laughs> she's really old. She's not she was not old. She was almost dead. Thanks. <laughs> and. <laughs> oh, good. Did he said something. Some old people are crystallized. <laughs> It's just like I'm scared up. Okay, good. <laughs> and so, so when it came time for her to um, separate from her victim's theatrical piece that she'd been manipulating her environment with for so many years, and she was so good at it that um, when she, w we told her where the switch was, and we invited her first to do it with us telling her when to stop, and then for her to for her to stop, she turned a switch on. She did the victim thing for 30 seconds and then she turned the switch off herself and then she stopped. That was such an awesome performance because it was real. Because it wasn't performed at the level of theater, it was performed at the level of reality, which is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about theater at the level of reality. Because when she did her victim thing, she put out an energy wave into people's consciousness and their beings and their cells that, that that resonated with everybody in the space and brought them all into that reality as if it were so. And all of us could feel her sadness. It was so deep, her sadness, and the pain of her situation with her mother. And if you only my family and my husband. And I can't even do it right now, but she was so, everybody was almost crying with her. And then she turned it off, and then you felt this like this, and it was gone, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, she was like, she would even start really crying. I mean, she was yeah. really yeah. crying. And she was just she was like, really like a sw I mean, it was just the I can think of it if you had, like, echocardiogram or something. I mean, it would show, like, real distress. Sure. Brain right. it, I mean, I'm serious. It, it was amazing. And that's theater. And, like, and she, I think she and really... we are doing it now, and you are doing it now. We're all doing it now. And it's like she really got the difference and like how cool that was of just she appreciated it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like, like, well you yeah. know, she had a different experience of herself. And that's what can fuel more of it. You know, it's like when I when I get to have a new experience of myself being different from what I was a minute ago, that's exciting to me. You know, that's that's like, you know, all of the eyes getting to have their voice in a sense and there's a lot there's a lot that can grow. What what makes somebody like that not be crystallized? That's a really good question. I'd like to know because I don't yeah. want to be crystallized. I think it's a continuous 
a continuous investigation into the uh, and growth, <coughs> continue learning, continuous investigation into reality, not knowing, being willing to um, live from principle rather than position, because position is 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 crystallization, and but living to serving in principle is not can't never be because it's always a nonlinear act of nonlinear creation in order to serve a principle, because principles will always demand something that you can't do and don't know how to do to create that in the moment according to what's wanted and needed out of nothing for no reason and that's what it will ask and so you can't do that from a position you can't do it crystallized so clearly she's serving some kind of principles and you could kind of feel that you know because she's a good woman yeah, and, and family you know and about she even had the physical strength that was pretty amazing to me for her age which is a principle of, of health and joy mm -hmm. and play. I mean, it just seemed like there had to be some kind of, you know, they're all connected, always connected. I just was curious. Yeah, she came in and just really flowed with everything. It seemed like she was lifting people, she was cheering them on, she was, she was ready to hold people down. She, gosh, she didn't have any kind of, like, it's almost like she didn't get shocked really by much. Well, she, I, you know, she came in with the understanding that her box was going to expand, yeah. not yeah. knowing what that was, yeah. but wanting that. So if anybody so wants that to. that shows she was a crystallized yeah. in a way. And when I first spoke with her on the phone about the training, she never listened. She didn't listen. When I, she would ask me a question, I'd start to answer, and she would start talking, and then I would realize that she didn't hear anything I said, and it was. I was like, wow, this is going to be really interesting. We're going to have a seven-year-old lady who's like a total victim, and she doesn't listen, and she's blaming everything on her husband. And I was like, wow, that um, was like something. Oh, Clint will have a good time with this.
so the so the ability to to, to um, do conscious theater in service of the principles that you're serving is is called morphing or shape-shifting and it um, it's a specific skill that you that you need to have in order to function at the level that we're talking about is it also when using Betty Lou's example that you gave her isn't it also the first stage of relationship just accepting that person where they are and well it's actually being committed to what they're committed to more an exact way to say it. I was just thinking about June too and it seemed like she she came and she really did want her box to expand but it wasn't didn't seem like it was about her. It wasn't like like she may have said I want my life back or something but it just didn't feel like a personal thing for her. It felt like something very fluid and like something that she that was just bigger than her. One of the problems is that it, uh, I haven't allowed it to be clear from myself, and that certainly uh, hasn't been clear to you. Um, you know, I know, I know the, I know the um, functions. I know like how it would serve. And so, what I what I would like for it to be, or my vision for camp is that it would be a, a place for all of us to um, my vision for camp is that we would be united in our stand for expanding box for searching for new technologies and new um, that we would be united in our stand for searching for new technologies and new ways of, um, of, of sourcing our own our own power and that we would be united in that search and committed to um, to using that power once we once we clear that power in each of us, that we would be um, committed to serving with that power. And I think that's accomplishable in rigorous study and rigorous self, you know, uh, examination. 
that we're served by the event and that, that we know that technology works for people and that we're served by expanding that community. That every person who has a hit for authenticity, for what it means to come from that place, that we're all served by that. Specifically, I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is that that means that this bogus year thing is a cop-out. It's been a cop-out for me, and I think it's been a cop-out for this group, in that that would keep us safe, because we would only be responsible for our own work for a year. And that's a lie. It's a lie for me. then is that a commitment for now or then is the commitment so my question was is is like the commitment just like moment to moment like now or is the commitment forever and it's like you know what's now to that, and I know Fred wasn't here when Clint gave this answer, but why isn't the answer to that the same answer that you gave earlier, that when you're led by the principles you're serving, that you go wherever you go, so it will go wherever it goes. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, even if it's now, if my now is forever, if my now is As the words came out. I missed the conversation. But my gut reaction to what you said is that whatever your commitment is cannot be dependent on anyone else. So the answer is irrelevant. Well, and, and, you know, like to me, I think the year came out, the year of it came in, in the fact that, that it, it, like what was happening grew out of the commitment for the event. And that's, you know, that the year came around that and we'll be personally responsible for this for a year and it was structured around that not around 
Yeah, you yeah. see that 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 in many ways was just a a device for us all to say, I'll be limitedly involved. Right. I'll stick my toe in the water. And I mean, I helped facilitate that. I yeah. facilitated that by by providing the structure that so many of us right. feel safe in. Well, it was okay. I mean, it served a purpose at that moment in time that it allowed us to create something that was a small enough piece that we could say, okay, we can we can take that on. Yeah, and I so I I felt that it was a we I knew it was an illusion. Yeah. We all we all knew it was an illusion, but it seemed necessary to take that bite. So I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to let go of that for a long time. But don't don't you feel the, the how much bigger how much bigger what we're committed to is? Like we just haven't owned it. How much bigger it really is, and how much more exciting that really is. Like it's it's not about it's not about Little Rock. It's not about now. It's not about it's not about any of those things. It's about I mean it's really about certain having having our beings, having us right now have an impact through our own commitment. And whatever that is, like that just to, for it to be as full and rich as it can be so that each of us would, would be committed to the principles of of that authentic expression of having it not be covered by all the stuff that we cover it with through, through childhood, through whatever it is through all that stuff we dig through for two days to have our lives be beyond that and hearing you speak about it like that it just, I just have stuff running through my body that that's the urgency for me to do what we talked about last night, to do work around destiny and, and to just be committed to go wherever it takes us. That's the urgency for me. Well, and we have to claim that we're created that. You know, we joke around about it and, we, and, and we're sly about the way we create it because it comes out in a joke and Sue says, oh, let's do an all-nighter. But really, the truth of the matter is there's such power in you that if you claimed that, you would know you're responsible for speaking that into creation. You knew that in your body, that destiny's connected to the flippant remark, let's create an all-nighter. You know, destiny's connected to that. You're feeding it, even though you're not claiming it. And so we'll discover that together, how to claim it more responsibly. But you created that. He's here because of what we're creating, you know. So we have access to a teacher who, who's disciplined and principled and who's doing things we don't understand or don't know yet, or at least are not willing to admit we know. That's that's the truth of the matter. Not willing to admit that we know. Or not, or at least not bringing into consciousness. It was like over and over this weekend, I would hear you say stuff and go, I knew that. I knew that, and why couldn't I, why didn't I know before you said it that I knew that? You know, it was like, it was like probably all of us experienced, we didn't hear very many things that were totally new, it's just that you had to name it before we knew that we knew it. So when will that, how do we, how well, or do we, that we were ready in that moment to hear that thing and integrate it. I mean, it was like you were talking about before with the matrix. Yeah. It's like you don't get all the pieces to your matrix at one moment. You fit them in, and sometimes you're ready to hear one thing and integrate it, 
and then your consciousness expands over that part of the matrix. And then, you know, if your if your matrix isn't being filled in right there, if you're some, you know, if I'm filling in this part of my matrix, you know, chances are the part that's way over here isn't getting filled in yet. That's another moment. And, and there's also something in the evolution of our technology of listening. Maybe you could mention to Fred the thing that we were talking about, which is that the, the camp, as you formulated, was centered around um, the, the event. Yeah, we talked about how, you know, when we first redefined camp and it was sort of born again, you know, it was born around the idea of the event. And now it seems like that that part of it, that that's, it seems like most, well, everyone is reaching for something beyond the event. Or, you know, different, there's a different reach there now. You know, I think that the event is still, like, incredibly valuable, and it's the base. I mean, it's where I discovered, you know, my need for this was, was presented to me, the event. That's where I, I woke. The other thing that was discussed was we were talking about our matrix Practice was the only way to enlarge your matrix to become more conscious. And uh, so that was the discussion of practicing. We're talking about what's the, what's our practice in camp and what's that about. So that's what this, how the discussion came about. Oh, um, there's a couple of other ways to grow a matrix. One of them is to um, expose yourself to certain kinds of radiations. For example, um, teachers carry a, 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 their radiators. Te certain teachers are radiators and to, to put yourself in the presence of teachers when they're in town, you know, go be around them and expose yourself to that radiation. You can also expose yourself to radiations through certain kinds of art, um, archetypal type of art or um, temples. A lot of times different kinds of temples or shrines will, will have radiations in them and you can just expose yourself to those things. Um, you know, if you've, if you've ever been to Porna's house, you see all the artifacts that he has around. And the, you know what I mean by artifacts? Little statues and paintings and carvings and all those things are um, artifacts. And the different, you can sense that different artifacts carry different intensities of different kinds of radiations uh, on, on purpose. And those things are, are nutrients for growing matrix. And there's also... Um, certain kinds of stress um, grow matrix. And the kinds of stress that grows matrix has to do with, I could just give you a couple of examples.